today to our services here at Berkeley Evangelistic Association. We're continuing on with our series study that we're doing on uh, forgiveness, uh, prayer and forgiveness. And we come to lesson number 10 or chapter 10. And the name of this lesson is going to be forgiveness and action. We've talked about all the different ways of forgiveness. And now we want to put it into action. But I really appreciate all of you tuning in today and, and listening to our broadcast. We, we welcome you. We appreciate all your prayers and your support that you give us each and every day. And thank you very much. So let's have our opening prayer and then we'll get right into our lesson, Forgiveness and Action. Father, we thank you for this day that you've given us and all your many, many blessings. Lord, there's so many things to be thankful for. We're thankful for life and for all the needs that we uh, are provided for through your love and your, your kindness, and your mercy and your grace. Father, thank you for salvation, that we have a future home in, in heaven with you. We thank you for all that Jesus did on the cross that day. That he paid a price that I'd never be able to pay for a sin that he never committed, but he paid the debt for my sin and for everybody else's sin. Father, help us to realize of what was uh, done for us, the, the price that was paid, Lord, that's more than we can either comprehend. And Father, be with each one that's listening today. I pray that a special blessing upon them, Lord, to be with uh, not only them, but their families. And Lord, if anyone that doesn't know Jesus, I pray today would be the day they make that commitment to accept him as their Lord and their Savior. Now be with this lesson, this study, as we conclude now, almost at the end of the book. We only have one more uh, area to go in the conclusion, and this study of series will be finished. And Father, we thank you for the opportunity we have to present this to the world, to lift up your name, to glor uh, glorify you, because it's all about you and not about us. Now be with us, Lord, each and every one, and we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. The power of forgiveness offers us a broad view of forgiveness from religious, spiritual, and scientific points of view. While we may agree more strongly with some rather than others, we are given a potent opportunity to dig deeper and explore our personal views of forgiveness and ultimately open our hearts and minds to a deeper experience of compassion, of kindness, and unconditional love. And just maybe, by putting forgiveness into action in our own lives, we can expand the possibility of peace in the world. Before we begin this study, we want to share another point of view about uh, forgiveness with you. And this is generally speaking, we could say that forgiveness is the act of pardoning or excusing oneself or someone else without harboring resentment. First and foremost, it is important to understand that forgiveness does not mean we are disagreeing that the action uh, in question was hurtful or inappropriate. It is a real challenge to forgive someone for something that we believe is absolutely wrong. But if we view circumstances from the level of consciousness where we are judging beliefs and ideas, forgiveness will never occur. Our world today contains some six to seven billion people whose minds are filled with different concepts, and we're never going to get all of them to agree as to what is right or wrong in any situation. Instead of looking at what is right or wrong then, we can simply recognize that an action was taken, being unaware of our true nature, and that the action 
cause pain and suffering. The true nature of humanity can be uh, described in many ways, depending on one's spiritual or cultural traditions. To be as simple and inclusive as possible, when we experience the consciousness of God that exists within all things, we have realized our divine nature. With this experience comes the understanding that it is our concepts, ideas, and beliefs that create separateness among people. With this in mind, ultimately, we are forgiving ourselves and others for our concepts and beliefs that nurture our sense of separations. When we transcend the beliefs of our programmed minds and see with our spiritual eyes, we see our interconnectedness and oneness. Be aware of the conditions you place on forgiveness and the imprisoning memories that keep you filled with anger, resentment, and the desire for revenge. And most importantly, do not judge yourself or others as you become aware of your thoughts. Rather, mark this as a starting point, the key to unlock a prison that has been kept alive by your thoughts and point of view. The truth is, forgiveness will not be possible until compassion is born in your heart. What is compassion for you? How do you express it in your life? Compassion in the heart is realized by feelings of concern for other people. Unfortunately, everyone does not have compassion. That's the reason we have such evil acts. We have compassion for ourselves. We don't desire harm for ourselves. We may have compassion on our family, our family members, friends, co-workers, and in some cases our community, and maybe even the world in general. So the question is simply this, can I call myself a compassionate person? You will not be able to answer this honestly if you have anger towards yourself or others. In actuality, forgiveness allows us to let go of the pain and the memory, which may be caused by this anger. The memory of the pain caused by the anger, which restricts or stops our compassion, can be changed through forgiveness. By forgiving, we can change the memory to just a memory and not a controlling factor in life. If we let our memories control us, we are like puppets from the past. In order to accomplish this forgiveness, we will need to identify several memories that continue to cause us pain and suffering, which in turn equals anger. This has to be lifelong and not just recent events. So the question comes, what people and circumstances have you been unable to, or reluctant to forgive? These could be one or more. They could have happened yesterday or maybe 10 years ago. These memories still hold a place in your mind and heart and they anger you because of the situation or circumstance they caused. Until we learn and decide to forgive, we will be held prisoners to our memories. Can you truly be prisoner of a thought unless you or I consent to be? It is like so many things in our lives. It requires a decision to be made. There must be a degree of repentance or acknowledgement before you can forgive. How can you forgive someone unless you decide to do so? Another stipulation people enact is a condition for forgiveness. They might say, I cannot forgive you unless you admit you're wrong. The act of forgiving is hard to accomplish without acting unconditionally. Compassion and unconditional love is the key to this. 
The memories we have that cause our anger are magnified by situations in our lives such as acts of violence. Mental anguish is one thing, but physical violence is yet another. Could you forgive an act of violence if you did not know who the perpetrators were? One situation that comes to mind in this case is a lady was home alone when someone knocks at the door and continuously rung the doorbell. She looked out to see a vehicle backed up in the driveway and there's someone sitting in the car. She then thinks they will leave momentarily saying, I'm not going to open that door. I am not going to open that door. Well, they did not leave and they went to different entrances and doorways to the house trying to find a way in. Finally, they opened a locked window by breaking the window lock. The lady realizing they were breaking in, she called, she called 911 and explained what was happening. The lady on the operator on 911 said, the police are on their way. Meanwhile, this lady opens a window in her bedroom and removes the screen and crawls out into the yard to safety. Turning to look left and right, she saw two men attempting to crawl through her living room window. She at once screams. The men see her and drop all they are doing and run to the car and uh, they drove away quickly and in doing so they avoided being apprehended. Now the anger of this lady was very real. It was wrapped in fear and just heart-stopping panic which led later to a heart attack. So is it possible for this lady to forgive these men even though she doesn't know who they are or to forgive them even though they never apologized. It can be done through compassion and unconditional love that is spiritually acquired through one's belief. Even though the individual has these attributes and is willing to forgive, forgetting is yet another problem and it might take months or even years. Another point of our anger is that we suffer with our memories regardless of whether they are physical or mental. And through this, we tell ourselves we are right and we refuse to let go. The intention in this sequel is to make yourself better than the other person. You get to have many people on your side against the other person or against another one and so forth and so on. Now, how could this uh, view benefit you? Spiritually, it don't. Biblically, it's, this attitude is wrong. Anger is never the right answer. What can you gain for yourself by holding on to your anger? Your anger will gain you more anger, and sooner or later it will take its toll on you spiritually and physically because this makes you a prisoner to your own anger. So we go through life expecting the other person to apologize without realizing that we have the power to forgive without an apology in most cases. But in, in some cases, anger blinds the person of this fact. The problem with remembering only injustice in culture is that we pass it along to our children and that the children never get a chance to see that mercy and forgiveness can be part of their lives in their communities. Can we not see how certain injustices have been passed down from generation to generation and the effect they have had on our culture? Of course we can. Some of these are worse than others, yet each one is a necessity to the growing mind of a child. How can a child know to make a good decision if all they're taught or know is wrong decisions? 
The original idea of passing this information down like this to our children was to prevent future death through education. The death being of the mind, but is, is that the way most cultures use that information? Or do they allow themselves to be victimized and angry by perpetrating the injustices of the past? Releasing anger through forgiveness can result in peace among cultures and people worldwide. This is worth teaching our children regardless of what culture they're from. What were you taught as a child about forgiveness as opposed to what you are shown? In other words, were you taught that to forgive was divine while at the same time your mother held her anger towards your aunt for years? I'm sure that each of us have stories that reflect this. I was told, do what I say, not what I do. I witnessed my mother talk angrily at my, uh, my dad's mother when she was visiting. My grandmother liked to talk, and mother had a nerve problem, and she didn't care too much for the chatter or like to talk that much. And this anger and nerve problem is still present today. What are you teaching the children in your life about forgiveness? Children have a right to know good things of God. They need to know about Jesus and what he did on the cross so that we could all have eternal life. Children need to know that love, true love, is from God and that through God they can uh, learn forgiveness, love, and compassion through the fruits of the Holy Spirit. Now, as we take a look at our communities, what memories or actions and wounds of the past continue to nourish conflict, resentment, and anger? There are communities in the world today that do harbor true hate, true hate, and unforgiveness for others. Different sects of persons may live in the same country and have the same land, yet their beliefs are different, and they despise one another because of their culture differences. It reminds me of the Civil War years in America over slavery and so forth. Now, slavery had been a tradition in the world all the way back to the Bible days, yet it had a rule of compassion even for the slave. A slave could be shown compassion and set free. Forgiveness of others with compassion could lead to world peace if only people would practice it. Now, Robert Enright asked, should we put mercy and forgiveness on the table for public discussion among educators, among peace workers, and among children within a community that has talked mostly justice? How do you define mercy, forgiveness, and justice? In the world we live in today, we have all sorts of laws and so-called justice systems. While some are fair, others are merciless and unforgiving. God is the author of justice. God's justice is true and unfailing. God's forgiveness is set by himself because he paid for forgiveness through the death of his only son, whose blood was shed for us on the cross at Calvary. This was an act of forgiveness, compassion, and mercy that none of us could ever accomplish. While we were still heaped in evilness and sin, Jesus died for us so we might have salvation through believing on him. And through believing, we are saved by God's grace. This was done for everyone, for all. All men have an inherent worth in the eyes of God. It is not God's will that any of us should perish. Now in 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 9, it says, The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, 
as some count slackness, but he is long-suffering towards us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. His gift of salvation is for everyone. It is free. We just need to believe on Jesus and we will be saved. No matter what memories or anger lies in your or my past through Jesus, we can receive forgiveness and salvation. So now some may be saying, if you do believe this, then can you separate a person's offense or hurtful actions from the person they truly are? No, I can't. But I know that God can. God knows the heart of men, as we can see in this verse. Jeremiah chapter 17, verse 9 and 10, tells us the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? I, the Lord, search the heart. I test the mind, even to give every man according to his ways, according to the fruit of his doings. Jesus can change the heart of even the vilest person, but it has to begin with the word of God in the heart of man. It has to be a decision to want to change and to seek God's forgiveness and healing, and then the individual will be able to forgive others. Now, forgiving others is better understood by those who have been forgiven. When dealing with persons outside the realm of Christianity, we find that forgiveness and the act of forgiving can be hard to accomplish. Forgiveness is only possible through a change of the heart. Compassion and mercy have to be shown in order to give forgiveness and even to receive forgiveness. The last time I found myself in a similar situation as this, I asked the person who was a pastor himself how we could get past the hurt and injuries of our hearts. He replied, we will love our way through it by God's grace. And we did, and it happened very quickly because both of us uh, agreed to the situation at hand and trusted God for the healing. Do you think you are good at accepting forgiveness? Do you find it a pleasure or a challenge? Do you make yourself available for forgiveness? In other words, do you seek it out or make it difficult for the other person to offer their forgiveness to you? There is often a concern that forgiveness means condoning actions of abuse and violence, and that the person offering the forgiveness will open themselves up to continued abuse. Through the lessons we teach children, we try very hard to help the child to become tough-minded, but yet tender-hearted, so that just through learning to forgive, they learn to identify when something is wrong, and they call it wrong but then they are able to have the internal transformation of letting go of the anger. What anger within you is calling for your internal transformation? It could be the anger of a distraught parent or a relative that hurt you or caused you to have bad feelings towards that person or persons. Many times these feelings are kept inside of ourselves because we don't really know how to deal with them. If you are a younger person and live uh, with or, or have deep connections to your immediate family, like your mother and your father and so forth, you could be suffering and be limited by others on true confession of your circumstance. As a young man, I suffered abuse by a parent. The parent was a natural grandparent and not a step or adopted grandparent. I did not really realize the damage to myself mentally until I was older 
and then realized I could not bring this to light. I forgave them through God and asked forgiveness for the feelings. The increased damage that could have been done to other people far outweighed my concern for my feelings at the time. The person has passed away now so many years ago, but those that knew them uh, never suffered the pain of knowing the truth because I endured the guilt of the situation until after they had passed away. Now, how many times I wanted to tell others, but it would have only led to heartbreak to other people. Many times other people do not do the same thing. They hold the guilt and pain and the anger towards an abusive situation, and other people never know to be aware of a certain individual condition. In these cases, we need to be tough-minded about the injustice of our life. In other words, we know the action was wrong from uh, your point of view, yet we can be tender-hearted enough to say, I do not want to hold on to that anger anymore. It is not serving me or anyone else well by doing so. Are you willing to transform your anger through the action of forgiveness and open your heart and mind to greater kindness and compassion and unconditional love? What are the ways you can put forgiveness into practice in your life today? First of all, without God on your side, we will not be able to forgive and love in an unconditional manner, simply because this is a trait given to us by God's Holy Spirit. It is a gift of love. Are we willing to commit to these actions and ask God to help us forgive others? I think that what we are called upon to do in a time when we see so much evil is to have the moral splendor and spiritual boldness to believe in good, to proclaim it, to stand in conviction, to take the people who truly do evil and hold them accountable in the appropriate ways. But nevertheless, stand for the possibility of human redemption that turns even the hardest hearts. Believing in Jesus is the only way to have a true, godly, type forgiving spirit. Jesus can change the hardest heart, but the person at hand is the one to make the decision to believe and accept. God never forces himself on anyone. Do you feel that people uh, who commit injustices are redeemable? Listen, we have all taken hurtful actions, even in the smallest of ways. Just because we caused harm once doesn't mean we will do the same thing again. Sometimes, and some people, yes, they will. But if a person is seeking truth, and intends to make themselves a better person through Jesus Christ, they can change and not be repeaters of the same act. So what does take action towards evil in appropriate ways mean? And what actions are you willing to take to reflect your spiritual boldness and proclaim your belief in goodness? Thomas More states, Forgiveness comes in its own time. Forgiveness comes from some other place. We can create the conditions under which forgiveness will appear, but it will appear in its own time and in its own way. Forgiveness comes at different times in our life and is rooted in our spiritual beliefs. We are learning and working in God's presence, and He alone knows and understands our very deep inner thoughts and feelings. As I grow in faith and learn to let the Holy Spirit take control of my inner self, I will understand forgiveness at a different level. I will learn to realize that forgiveness that God granted me 
And through his word and compassionate love, I will be able to operate in this realm of true forgiveness. Forgiving others is the key for my own forgiveness. In your own experience, what conditions allowed you to forgive? The ability to forgive was learned through the Holy Spirit. I did not want to forgive until I accepted Jesus as my Lord and Savior. The true ability to forgive others is not a human trait, nor is it something you are born with. It is a gift of God. God's love for me and you is taught through Scripture. And as we absorb the Word and ingest the power thereof, we will learn how God wants us to react to all situations. But without knowing God and having His Spirit in my heart, I would not be able to forgive. Eli Weasel, a Holocaust survivor, speaks of forgiveness based on the Jewish faith. He says in the Jewish tradition there are two kinds of forgiveness. One that God can give, and the other is that man can give. There are certain things that men do to each other that God does not intervene. The one sin he cannot forgive does not want to forgive and is the one I commit against a fellow human being. Only that fellow human being has the right to forgive me. However, it has limitations. If I ask that person three times and that person says no, then the blame is on him or her and then they have to ask for forgiveness for not forgiving. What are your thoughts on this point of view about forgiveness? In situations like the Holocaust or other genocide events that have happened in the world today, it is caused by anger and pure hate, pure hate for others. Being angry with someone is one thing, but hatred for others is another. When I drive my automobile and someone uh, acts aggressively towards me, I might have a brief moment of anger, but I don't hate them or desire to harm them. In the case of the Holocaust, Hitler hated the Jew. And even today, the Jew is a very much disliked people. Jesus tells us they hated him first. Please be aware they just weren't angry at Jesus. Oh no, they hated Jesus. And their hatred led to his crucifixion and his death. So the Jew is still hated by many countries and people today. The conflict of religion is the main issue. The Jew is believing in the Jehovah God, while the Arab or Muslim believes in Allah, their God. The Mideast runs deep with tribal hatreds and is in constant conflict. If you believe in God or a higher power, what do you believe God's point of view about forgiveness is? He goes on to say that some persons do not deserve forgiveness, and those are really the people who went beyond the capacity for evil. To be forgiven, the culprit must confess and ask for forgiveness. There are many that continue and struggle with understanding the Holocaust, and they urge us not to forget. Yet even with the ravages of the concentration camps of World War II and the lessons learned, genocide continues today in this generation. In Darfur, and recently in Sierra Leone and Rwanda, human holocausts and genocides 
are by far the most devastating results of the expression of the human ego mind. These are the ultimate manifestations of all human fear-based lies, the most destructive one being, they are not me and they are not divine. All justifications and rationalizations for war and ethnic and racial cleansings start from this one belief. Once we make that agreement, we feel empowered to attack those we perceive to be other because they are dangerous. It does not matter what concept we use as a basis for our justifications. All justifications for the torture, enslavement, or death of another race, ethnic, or religious group are based in fear. Now, the Reverend James Forbes speaks eloquently about the notion that at some point there has to be the movement beyond the fixation that by uh, my holding this act of violence, abuse, slavery, genocide, so forth, in my mind, in some way, I am going to improve the situation or reverse the situation or show adequate atonement for the situation. These offenses can never be adequately atoned, even if we stayed up all night saying, I hate them, I hate them, I hate them, and then get another group to pick up where you left off. It is not possible to achieve by being watchful in anger and revenge. What is what the soul is longing for, what the soul wishes, is peace. The soul is wishing for peace. Some people believe that if they stop feeling anger towards the person or people who hurt them, this makes them not responsible for their crimes. Do you think this is true? Absolutely not. Criminals are guilty as long as they have not confronted the party or parties they hurt or caused injustice against. In many cases, like genocide or the Holocaust, it did not matter if the people that were killed and hurt forgave and wanted to go on with their lives. The world system wanted justice. And the perpetrators were found and brought to trial, and in many cases they were put to death as their punishment. As we had said earlier, the guilty party or parties could seek forgiveness and could have received it, but because of the crime and injustice that was committed, they still had to face the world courts for war crimes and genocide. For all this, they had no choice of forgiveness. You know, scientists around the world are now looking at the relationship between forgiveness and well-being. Research has shown that forgiving people are less aware of being offended and hurt by others and have lower blood pressure. When people are asked to recall the situation where they experience a sense of betrayal, their blood pressure increases. For those who had grudges, their blood pressure remains elevated for quite a while after they had the painful thought. Most reactions to this research agree that anger, bitterness, unforgiveness, bad memories, and stressful situations can be the cause of and the root to bad health. It can also cause many other problems. You cannot go around angry, full of hate, despising others, and not expect to have some sort of physical reaction. If holding on to resentment causes harmful internal effects to your physical body, do you think it is wise to use the actions of others to hurt yourself physically? How does that resolve the pain of their actions for you? Is it worth using these old stories to make yourself sick in this present day when the injustice is no longer happening? New Yorkers are divided on whether or not there should be a garden of forgiveness in New York City 
on or near ground zero. The concept of such a garden was put by Reverend Lyndon Harris from St. Paul's Chapel located next to ground zero. He shared this, what we hope to do is present a meditation garden where people can come and at least reflect on the possibility of forgiveness. By that, we don't mean that uh, we in any way excuse horrific acts by evil people. We don't in any way condone acts of violence or terrorism. What we want to do is invite people to decide intentionally to opt out of that cycle of violence and revenge. Now, some say that if we do not forgive and instead take revenge, then we are no better than the terrorists. This becomes a game of words. Revenge in this case carries the wrong meaning, yet retaliation against the enemy is instead declared an act of war. We have the right to defend ourselves. Forgiveness is that which is afforded to the victim's families and those that suffered direct harm. War and defending ourselves is protecting the innocent. Many people feel that it is possible to feel safe, protect our country, forgive, and have compassion and it's not necessary to cultivate prejudice, hate, and anger to do so. I can consider this thought as a way of dealing with global terrorism. It comes down to the meaning of protecting through declared war or revenge for aggression. Revenge is a meaning of doing unto others what they have done to you, whereas war is an act of defense. In this case, the other party or country declared war against us when they attacked New York's Twin Towers on September the 11th, 2001. I really do not require an apology for war. Even God understands the acts of war. We are fighting a religious belief that is against our God and against our Christ. They want to kill us because of our belief. That's the reason for the terrorism. I feel we're physically fighting Satan's aggression of this evilness. Now, Alexander Essley suggests that people have their own journey to make. I think the Garden of Forgiveness may act as a trigger or reminder that if we're going to go a road to peace, we do have to cross that bridge. We do have to take the bridge to forgiveness. It is said that we don't forgive others easily. We don't forgive ourselves easily. Do you find it easy to forgive yourself for your own transgressions? And then how can we have compassion for others when we don't even have compassion for ourselves? Or do we act with compassion towards ourselves? Forgiveness and compassion is given to those that will accept it. We as a nation, in most cases, do not seek revenge, nor do we hold a grudge against our fellow man. We, in general, are a peaceful people that live life and freedom making decisions in life that guide us as individuals. Our government is not a dictating government that requires to know our every move, but it would be foolish of me to look back historically and not see the injustices that have come against us in the acts of terror and war. We as a nation reacted to this aggression in self-defense. Yes, it is God who forgives us through his amazing grace of which we do not deserve, and I believe and trust my soul and spirit into his hands because I know that he loves me and you so much that he gave his son 
on an old rugged cross 2,000 years ago. Plus, Jesus paid with his life and his blood was shed for the payment of sin. Not only my sin, but the sins of the entire world. Every sin that ever was committed or ever will be committed, Jesus has already paid for. Believing in Jesus, death, burial, and resurrection gives me eternal life. He said in John 14, verse 3, And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there ye may be also. We can believe this and put trust in this truth, for he is able and willing to gather us together for redemption, and it is God's pleasure to save us and give us his kingdom. He forgives us, and we must forgive others. And we do. Forgiveness is an act of love. But it does not mean war and distress will not come against us. It came against Jesus, and it will come against us. Our country will defend its citizens against all the evil dictators in the world, and all the bin Ladens in the world will have to realize that we are born of the Spirit, and we love those regardless but we will defend our beliefs and lay down and just die otherwise. Thank you for listening today. That concludes lesson number 10. We'll have a closing prayer now and we will be dismissed. And next time we'll continue with lesson number 11, which will be the conclusion ending chapter of this study next time. Let's have our closing prayer. Father, thank you for forgiveness. Thank you, Lord, that you loved us enough that you forgave us of our sins through the blood of Jesus Christ by believing in him. And, Father, because of you and because of the love that Jesus demonstrated on the cross, we find forgiveness and compassion, unconditional love for other people that we can forgive because it's a godly thing to do. Father, help us to realize and to see the truth and all things in this world and life, that we may be closer to you and closer to Jesus. Thank you, Father, for loving us. Thank you for the blessings that you bestow upon this ministry and upon each individual that's listening. Father, I pray for them. I pray, Father, that each person out there that's hearing my voice today know Jesus. I pray that they know Jesus, have accepted him, and he is the king of their lives and their Lord and master. Father, help us to be more like Jesus. We love you and we thank you for all that you do for us. Now go with us through this day. We thank you for uh, this word. You said that when your word goes out, they will not come back void. And we pray, Father, that uh, your word will touch the hearts and souls of men and they would come to know Jesus as a personal Savior. Father, thank you for this day and all that you do for us and your many blessings. We pray this in Jesus' name. We pray, amen. Amen.